you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and today we are talking about pivoting your career and how to create a really compelling resume. And of course, we've talked about all kinds of career and personal development topics on this podcast. I probably lean a little heavy on the personal development. Um, I love to get into topics like networking and building your personal brand to help you get that next job. Uh, one topic that I have never touched on this podcast that I can remember in years of doing it is how to create a great resume. And so recently when I connected with Ricklin Woods, I first met her on Clubhouse and then uh, we connected on LinkedIn and we got on Zoom and chatted. I sent her my book and we found we were really aligned on things and she is a big expert on resume writing as well as a career coach and an expert on helping people get into HR. And uh, I knew instantly I had to get her on the show. And so I wanna share that interview with you now. Uh, Ricklin is a certified human resources professional with a bachelor in science in psychology and a master of arts in industrial and organizational psychology. She is a certified career coach and she is a resume master. And Ricklin also has the experience of what many of us are looking to do or have done, which is making a big pivot during a time of uncertainty. Ricklin left her job in the middle of the pandemic in 2020 and she went out and started her own business as a career coach and a resume writer. And so far, I think she's been doing really well. I'm excited to have her in my network uh, to refer people to who need resume help. And in this interview, we kind of walk through the process of if you're thinking about changing your career, how do you think about that? If the career is something different than what you've been doing, um, what do you need to do to set yourself up for success? And then how do you create that really compelling resume that's going to help you get that job? I think if you're thinking about changing careers, this is an interview you're really going to enjoy. A uh, quick note that we did record this live on LinkedIn. Uh, and so I do stop a couple of times to ask people for questions. We didn't get any because um, I haven't been very consistent with these. So the audience is not always that big. Uh, but you know, I'm all about building the personal brand and getting content out there in every channel I can to get it in front of more people and hopefully help more people. Uh, so we did it live. And then, of course, I'm publishing it here uh, for you. And I want to remind you that if you are thinking about changing your careers, you're thinking about your own career, you want to own your career. If you haven't gotten my book yet, check out Own Your Career, Own Your Life. It's available on Amazon. And if you have read it, I'd love for you to leave a review. All right. Without further ado, here is my interview with Ricklin Woods, all about how to pivot your career and create a great resume. Well, hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Own Your Career podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today uh, for this live interview I'm recording with Ricklin Woods. We're going to be talking all about pivoting in your career as well as creating a really great and compelling resume. Um, Ricklin, as I was saying to you before we started recording, um, I've interviewed a few career coaches. I've, I've been lucky to build a network with, with a few great career coaches, um, but I haven't really interviewed anybody to dive deep into how to create a great resume. So I'm really looking forward to this. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. I've been looking forward to this and I love all things resume. So this is going to be a, a good conversation. Well, all things career and resumes. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you do. I'm glad somebody does. Um, 
And it's funny, like I, as I've moved more into the career space and people reach out and, and see me as a bit of a, a mentor, someone they can ask questions. Sometimes people ask me like, can you look at my resume? And, and I'm kind of like, I, I'll look at it, but honestly, like I haven't put a resume together in like 15 years. So, um, it, you know, I would rather refer you to an expert. And then when I met you, it was like, oh yes, I'm so happy to know you and I got to get you on the show. Um, so before we get into resume stuff, we're going to talk about careers. Um, and I want to jump right in, uh, to a topic that I've kind of been, it's been on my mind. I've been excited about recently is I've been hearing more and more about this idea of the great resignation. Have you heard about this? I yeah. have. And I knew you were going to say that. It's it's really, really like top conversation. Right it is. Now. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a hot topic. It's a trend right now. Um, you know, we're, we're more than a year out from COVID. Things have, you know, started to sort of get back to normal, although there's still a lot of uncertainty out there. Yeah. But a lot of people that were maybe waiting or weren't sure about what to do are now ready to possibly make moves. And supposedly a lot more people are going to be leaving their jobs. Um, I know you talked to a lot of people who were maybe thinking about it. What are you seeing out there in the market mm -hmm. right now? Well, I'll first start by saying that I, I, I'd like to say I kind of was one of the leaders of the great resignation. Yeah. Like I, I left my corporate role in the middle of the pandemic. Mm. And part of that catalyst was, I think COVID taught us a lot. And and one of the things was really the the importance of doing work that you find fulfilling, working at an organization whose values align with yours or doing work that, you know, aligns more with your strengths and what you're currently doing. So I think as a result of that, as we've now kind of gotten to this side of the pandemic, people are really beginning to see that, you know what, there might be more that I can do. And maybe I do have more control than what I think um, in terms of what my career opportunities might be like. And uh, people want flexibility. And so they're now with this, all this talk about returning to the office, people are like, hold up you know what, let me see what my options are. I'm willing to walk away and bet on myself so I can find work that I'm going to truly enjoy. Yeah. And it seems like there's more opportunities than ever. Um, but at, at the same time, it's it's scary proposition to walk away from a job if you've yeah. got something good going on, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Um, by the way, we have some people who are watching live. If you are watching this live on LinkedIn and you have a question or a comment, uh, feel free to drop that in the chat or just let us know where you're joining from. Ricklin, you left your job in the middle of a pandemic. That had to be a little bit scary, a little bit scary. How did you yes. make that decision for yourself? Yeah, it, it was very scary. Um, in full transparency, I did have a little savings to work with, but I was still willing to risk all of that savings to be able to, um, you know, launch this endeavor that I'm on now. And though it was scary, I think what was more scary was staying stuck. Mm and looking ahead going, okay, if I'm in the same situation 12 months from now, working at an organization that I'm not feeling really good about, working with a leader that I'm not um, growing with, I think the risk of that was actually more scary than you know stepping out, taking this leap of faith. Leap of faith. Yeah, I've talked about that uh, with people in the past. And one of the things that that drives me to do scary things all the time is, you know, I look at it and I'm like, oh, this is really scary. I don't know if I want to do this. What if I fail? And then I just think about my future self, right? And like getting to mm -hmm. the end and thinking, looking back and going, what am I going to regret? Am I going to wish mm -hmm. that I took that chance, you know, even if I fail or am I going to be glad that I played it safe? And for me, I, yeah. I usually 
my future self tells me like, yeah, go for it. Like, let's, yeah. let's try everything we can. Like, <laughs> you can always go get another job, right? Yeah. And I am, um, you know, what would be considered midlife. So I think that played a part too, when you're looking at, you know, well, I've only have X amount of years left to work, but mm -hmm. I really want to be spending those years still building someone else's uh, empire or just not really um, leaning into what I'm good at. And most of the clients that I work with are between the ages of say 35 to 50. And many clients come to me at this place where, um, you know what, I, I know I'm meant to do more. I want to do more. Mm -hmm. And like, it's like this now or never kind of moment yeah. when you're at this midpoint of life and at kind of the latter stages of your career. So I am having clients reach out to me really on the fence about, should I walk away? You know, mm -hmm. kind of wanted to just bounce those ideas. Honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, probably the last several consultations I have have been from people who are on that fence about being mm. part of the great resignation. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's jump in there. That was the next question I was going to ask you. We probably have some people <laughs> listening who are on that fence. They're like, you know, my job is okay. Um, it, it's, it's paying the bills and I have, I might be able to move up here, but I've been thinking about doing something else, or I feel like there might be more out there for me. How do you help people when you do that consultation? How do you people help people weigh that options and, and, and make a decision? Yeah, you know, I really, um, try to help people get clear about what their values and what their priorities are, because oftentimes when you think about a job, you all, you almost always think of it as a means to an end, right? I'm going to work, I'm going to get a check and that's pretty much it. But there's so much more that goes into it than that, you know? So in terms of your personal goals, um, you know, if someone's looking to get into leadership, if someone's looking to leverage their strengths and they want to do more work that's more aligned with who they are. So for example, I had a conversation with someone yesterday who was feeling that at this point in her career, she was doing more administrative work than what she really enjoys. She really enjoys more problem solving, more strategic type of work. Mm. And so um, I, I really help my clients get clear about what's most important and the type of impact they want to make. And I really encourage them to um, come up with, an, and we can do that to do this together, come up with a strategic plan for achieving that goal. I really try to encourage um, them, like your book is titled, to take ownership of their yeah. career. Like the company's probably not going to change, your manager may not change, right. but the one thing you can control is you and what you choose to do with your life and with your career. So I, I really try to give my clients permission mm. to pursue that, which they believe is going to set their soul on fire. So that thing yeah. that you believe you're meant to do, that thing that you enjoy doing, also do some assessments with clients to really help them identify mm -hmm. what their strengths are um, and then help them to visualize and imagine that. And what would that look like if you could do that type of work? So I first give them permission that it's okay for you to not want to work there anymore. Don't feel guilty about that. Um, and then from there, you know, we work together to devise a strategy or plan, whether that's reworking the resume whether that's looking at how um, what their network is like and just what opportunities might be available for them in their area of interest. And it sounds like, um, and I talk with a lot of people about this too, so I'm, I'm happy to hear this because it kind of validates some of the things I teach as well, um, but that it starts a lot with self-reflection, something that mm -hmm. most people don't take the time to do to really understand yourself. You mentioned your values, your passion, your priorities, 
like where, you know, just sitting down and thinking about who you are and mm -hmm. where you maybe want to go and what you haven't accomplished yet that maybe you do want to accomplish, right? Yes. And actually my tagline on LinkedIn that you may have seen is uh, my clients come to me for a resume, but they leave with so much more. And the reason behind that is because that's usually the first thing people think about when they're looking to make a pivot. Let me look at my resume. I haven't done a resume in years or I need to update my resume. And I often um, get people to pause. Like, I get it. And we're going to talk about your resume, but let's put your resume to the side for a minute because we've got to do, like you mentioned, kind of self-reflection, that self-awareness. We've got to get uh, a roadmap for where you're going and what you want that resume to be able to do for you. And we can't do that until we get some clarity about your direction. Mm, yep, absolutely. So if people are coming to you. I makes so much sense, right? They're coming to you mm -hmm. and saying, hey, can you help me with my resume? And you're like, well, hold up what do you really want to do and what do you want your resume to do for you so it, it kind of you got to start with really figuring out who you are and where you want to go um okay so um we're sticking on this pivot topic you've talked mm -hmm. to somebody still that you've worked through that self-reflection understanding that and they're like yeah i really do have this other passion i really would like to try this other thing um let's say they want to get into hr because i know that's one yeah. of your specialties right <laughs> i've been working in finance but I really love people and I'm thinking about getting into HR, but I hate to throw away all this experience that I have in finance. It's such a big risk. Like, how do I make that decision, Rickland? I, you know what? That's a fantastic question. <laughs> I actually have a client that I work with who has an MBA, who has done majority of her work in finance. She's had some exposure to human resources, but, but mm -hmm. finance has been her thing. And she actually did come to me and said that she wanted to pivot into an HR role mm -hmm. and similar concerns. I've got this MBA, I've, you know, eat, sleep and drink finance. Like I'm not ready to let this go. So mm -hmm. in, in listening to her talk about her prior experience or education, what I helped her to see that she either wasn't aware of or didn't realize was an option was that your finance background would be so beneficial in the HR space mm. and actually will set you apart from a lot of your competition because yeah. there are some HR professionals that um, may not have that finance background. And if you're mm -hmm. looking to be a strategic leader from an HR perspective, you, you need to have that business acumen and finance background. Yeah. So I opened her eyes to the possibility of an HR business partner role and helped her to see mm. how if you pursue an HR business partner role, you still get to bring that finance background with you. You still, yeah. you're really going to get to use that MBA. Yeah. So a lot of it is about um, really making connections. And what I'm learning, even as I grow in this business as, as a coach and this work that I do is one, one thing I'm really good at is making connections or helping people make connections, um, seeing the parallels between their experience and really synthesizing their background. And I think the biggest thing I see with clients or folks that I consult is they automatically assume they don't have the experience, maybe because their experience doesn't look like what's written in the job description. But I'd almost say 100% of the people that I walk, work with or speak to have transferable skills and or experience. And so what I often teach my clients and those I'm working with to do is when you're looking at a job description, really analyze it. There's so much that's being given to you in the job description. I often describe it as, you know, the job description 
is like an exam or a test. <laughs> and each of the bullet points are like questions on an exam. So when you read the bullet point and it's saying, you know, you're, you're going to lead a team of 50 or whatever it might say, what it's really asking you is what experience do you have with leading a team? So while you may not have led a team of 50, maybe you led a team of two, but it's still leadership either way. So it's really about looking at the what the job is looking for, looking at each bullet point to identify what skills are being used. So even if you mm -hmm. haven't done that exact thing, when have you executed that same skill of critical mm -hmm. thinking? When have you executed the skill of um, project management, perhaps? Or, or um, again, leading a team or, um, you know, critical thinking, like if you've had any years of work experience, no matter what you were doing, you probably had to think critically about certain things. You probably had to be organized. You know, you probably had to work as part of a team. So I often find with my clients, we have these aha moments. They're like, you know what? I didn't even... I didn't even think about it that way. So that's kind of that next layer of self-reflection is really honing in on their background and experience and finding the synergy and the connection between the work they've done and the work they desire to do. Mm, I like that. Okay. So this is great. We're going down this journey. We've made the decision. I'm, I want to leave finance and go after this HR job. I have the job in mind that I want. Um, and now I need to put together my resume. And of course, mm -hmm. my big concern, which you already addressed, is I don't have HR experience, right? How mm -hmm. do I address this? So you, you talked about um, looking for relevant experience and the things, project management, whatever it may be that might be relevant to that. Uh, how do I start to craft a really compelling resume that's going to help me get that job? Yeah. And I, I love that you use the term compelling because that's what mm. it really needs to be, especially when, um, you know, we're in this employees market right now where there are a lot of folks applying for, for roles. Um, I actually still see to this day, I review a lot of resumes, um, resumes leading with an objective. And mm. I often remind people or let people know that the objective statement is somewhat outdated. Mm. Um, it's it's you're, you're not selling yourself when you're talking about what you want. Like to sell <laughs> to sell yourself, you have to talk about, you know, the features and benefits that you are offering. Yeah. So I coach a lot of my clients to lead with a very compelling, as you mentioned, career summary statement or a professional mm. profile, which I liken it to kind of a book summary that you might find on the back of the book or in the inner flap of the book um, where someone will pick it up and read that summary and go, you know what, this sounds interesting. I think I want to read more. So mm -hmm. that is really the key to catching some um, the resume reviewers attention is having a really good career summary that really describes who you are as a professional, kind of summarizes your overall career experience. So that's a good place where if you don't necessarily have, say, specific HR experience, where you can highlight your overall professional experience um, and maybe even highlight certain aspects. Maybe you've you've dealt with HR on a small scale because most all employees have had some interaction with HR to right. some degree. So it's yeah. just really about finding those connections there. So definitely leading with a great summary. And I'll be honest, even when I write resumes for clients, I probably spend more time crafting that three to four sentence summary than I do the rest of the resume. Have you found or gotten feedback from employers that, because I imagine that's the first thing they look at, that mm -hmm. oftentimes that might even be the, they might not even get past that, right? And so that's got to yes. be compelling. Yes. And I've, like I've had conversations on LinkedIn, with right? other, yes, same, same, same thing. Like what, 
what what do you have to offer and why should I care? It's kind of like, mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of like what that's about. And so I have, I have lots of recruiters that I'm connected with in my network and I've heard um, feedback from many of them that, you know, you really do. They talk about the six to seven second review, which is pretty consistent. And that's a first pass. They're going to, if you don't catch their attention within six to seven seconds, then they're not going to get to the rest of it. So really what you have on the first top half of your resume is what I focus a lot of energy on when I'm writing a resume for someone and what I recommend, because you don't have a lot of time to catch their attention. But if you get them within that first half, more than yeah. likely they'll, they'll keep reading. Yeah. Um, the second so, half of the resume, you could probably write whatever you want down there. It's like, yeah. the, like the seventh <laughs> and eighth results on a Google search page. Like nobody ever looks down yes. there. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's strategy involved with writing a resume because I take a look at various things. I take a look at how many years of experience someone may have comparison to how what their education may look like. Sometimes I'll put the education at the top. Sometimes mm. I'll put it at the bottom. It really just depends on what yeah. what we're working with, with their career story and how do we make their individual career story as compelling and interesting as possible with the resume real estate that we do have available. I'm just thinking if I'm someone like me who may, let's say I decide to go out for a job and I don't have quite the relevant experience uh, for that type of job, but I have like a big X factor, a lot of energy and enthusiasm and passion that I can bring to that. Like, how do I showcase that? That's kind of hard with a resume. Yeah, it, it can be hard with a resume, but people don't use words like enthusiastic in the resume as much as I think they should. So hmm. I have had clients who we, we did add that into their summary to, to try to describe a little bit of their personality to the extent that you can. Um, I don't spend a lot of effort on cover letters, but that is another way. So when you are making a pivot, it may make sense, depending on the experience you do have to include a cover letter. So you can tell more of your story from a first person perspective. The other thing that goes without saying, like it, you have to have a, a kind of a comprehensive strategic plan. It's not going to be just your resume that's going to get you in the door. Um, also, you know, you're going to be, have to do some networking, relationship building. So when you talk about, you know, your assets, such as your personality, um, mm -hmm. that's going to help you most on the networking side of things. Like I've, yeah. I've had um, heard stories and had clients who landed a role really because of, their personality and because they were the likability factor. And yep. um, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's true. Like while, while your resume is important, I'm, I won't ever discount that. At the end of the day, people hire, they, people, hire people. That's right. So you, you, you've got to have, you can have all the skills and qualifications in the world, but if you're not likable, if there's no connection on that first phone screen, if you do get the phone call, then you may not make it past there. So sometimes people think, well, I'm not getting opportunities. It's got to be my resume. Sometimes it's not your resume. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's another area of, of the whole package that comes with making a career transition. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought you brought up networking as well. Uh, we won't go too deep on that. And this interview is something I already talk a lot about the importance of networking. But yeah. um, just on that, if you if you find a job you want and you're submitting a resume, is there something you've seen people do well or you help people do uh, from a networking angle to try to maybe get a, a, an in for that job. Absolutely. So while there are various approaches, um, reaching out to recruiters on LinkedIn, that's what something I do recommend. Although ideally, 
I try to help my clients not wait until they need the lead to reach out, but sometimes that's that's how it works, right? You you make mm -hmm. you, you see the job. Um, so I, I teach my clients to be uh, investigators and super sleuths, and you know, net, scour LinkedIn, see if you can find uh, the recruiter who posted the position. Um, I always always recommend applying to the job online first and then reaching out to the recruiter or perhaps another individual within the company who might be a hiring manager or someone within the department. And you're really reaching out to say, hey, I've already applied to this job. I'm super interested. I believe I'm a good fit because of X, Y, and Z. And I'm just curious um, if you might be able to point me in the right direction of who the dedicated recruiter is, or, hmm. or do you have any insight on how I might be able to get in touch with the person um, who's the hiring manager? So it's really about being curious not so much saying, um, you know, hey, can, can you put me in front of the right can person? Can you give me a job? But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but being curious and, and asking for even, you know, further further connection. Sure. I like that. Uh, when I talk about networking, always lead with curiosity, right? Like the, mm -hmm. see what you can find out. Don't ask for anything that people can't yes. provide or puts them in a tough position. Can you give me a job? Can you put me in the front of the line? Just, you know, who yeah. handles this and uh, and, and I like working the, you know, the second connections, right? Look for yeah. what connections do you have to the hiring manager or recruiter? Uh, and don't be shy to reach out and ask for introductions. I sometimes, it doesn't happen that often because people don't do it that much, but I have a big network and sometimes people reach out and say, Hey, I see you're connected to so-and-so. I just applied, applied for a position that he's hiring for. Would you mind making an introduction? And the funny thing is, even if I don't know that person, I'll be like, oh, you know what? I just connected them on LinkedIn. I don't really know them. I still yeah. message them and go, oh, you know, my friend just applied for a position at your job. Like, would you, <laughs> would you mind taking a look? And yeah. Why not? Right? Like it just, it's a little edge. And mm -hmm. they, I, I like to think if I'm on their end, I appreciate that too. Cause I probably have 400 resumes in front of me and like, yeah. oh, somebody I know kind of know knows this person. Maybe mm -hmm. I should talk to them. Oh, yeah. And that for most recruiters, they're measured to a certain extent by how long it takes them to fill a position. So mm. if you can short circuit that for them and, you know, be the right talent, be the ideal person and get right into their their inbox, you just save them a lot of time potentially yeah. and can help them close that position sooner. Here's your person. Yeah. <laughs> But I've I've gotten those jobs because someone referred me in and I I just did the interview and got it. Like that's happened multiple yeah. times in my career because of the network. Uh, and the resume was almost like an afterthought, but you still got to have a, a good resume. So I want to get back to yeah. that. Also, we have a couple more minutes for anybody that yeah. is watching live. If you have a question for Rick Lynn or a career question in general, feel free to drop that in the chat. We'll address it. Um, Rick Lynn, I haven't worked on a resume in a long time. I would probably do a terrible job of it unless I hired you. What are some of the worst resume mistakes you see people making these days? Mm, uh, number one would be the resume is too long. Mm. Um, and I think it's just because of the way we were taught about resumes early on, but I see people treat resumes like a career transcript. It's every job they've ever had, every task yeah. they've ever done, yeah. every award they've ever gotten. And right. sometimes when giving feedback, it's a little bit sensitive because people don't want to diminish, you know, all the work that they've done or the awards that they've won. So when you tell somebody you, you, you're going to need to figure out how to scale that back, they're like, well, what do you mean? Like, this is who I am. And, mm -hmm. and then there's the other part of it. There's this idea that the more I have on my resume, the more qualified I'll appear. The more impressive it is, right? Yeah. Yes. And and I have to let people know that that's not the, that's not the case. Like what, 
you're you're writing this for someone, you know, for a human reader, not just the robot. And that's a whole nother discussion talking about that <laughs> tracking system. Um, but that would be the biggest mistake. Resume is too long. Um, the other piece would be very task driven resumes, not really focusing on impact. So they read like a job description. Um, and so that just doesn't show how you add value to an organization. So there's that. And then I would say the last thing that I see um, more than anything is too much of a focus on trying to stand out with design. I, I actually and I've heard this from other recruiters, like even though we're in 2021, a simple black and white right. resume does work fine. What we're looking for is the content that's going to be relevant to the job I'm looking to fill. And if you can do that, then you don't need all the extra bells and whistles and pretty font and colors yeah. and things like that. Unless you're applying for a graphic designer position, yeah. then by mm -hmm. all means, showcase your yes. skills, right? What you can yes. do. Uh, mm -hmm. That's interesting. And the second thing you talked about there was uh, you know, a lot of people just put their whole job description and I love those that are like, it makes me cringe, like responsible for X, Y, Z. Yes. And, and, and mm -hmm. like, I get to see myself as a hiring manager. Like, I don't care what you're responsible for. What did you actually do? <laughs> what did right? you do? <laughs> you got anything done. So the one lesson I remember when I was in business school and I went to career services and went to like a resume class was mm -hmm. to focus on um, achievements and results over responsibilities. Is that still yes, true today? That is that is very true today. And right. it's interesting because a lot of people just don't think in those terms. Um, I find that most people I talk to, they discount the value of what they do. And I think it's because it's just so routine. I do this every day. I could do it with my eyes closed. They don't necessarily think about the value and how impactful it is. So I help my clients really rethink about think differently about their work and how it's impactful to the organization as a whole to the bottom line um, and i just find so many people don't think about their work that way they think of it as task oriented versus actually impactful i love it uh so much value here um last question kind mm -hmm. of a softball rickland but you know <laughs> people are thinking about again they're they're thinking about pivoting their careers thinking about changing careers um it I think going after that next job, applying for jobs, creating a resume always kind of feels like something I should be able to do myself. And yet most of us don't really know how to do it. So mm -hmm. why should we, why should they, why should people hire a career coach, resume writer, and how do they find the right one? Obviously, you know, I would love for them to go talk to you, but you know, there's lots oh, of people out yeah. there. How do you, how do you think about that? That's a really good question. And I think in terms of when you should seek help um, is one of the things you talk about in your in your book that I actually think is really um, wise is just there's so many people you can seek help from doesn't necessarily just have to be a career coach. So I, I want to make sure that that's and people know that, too. There are other people you can reach out to for support. Um, but in particular, when to reach out to a career coach, one, I think just when you're maybe you've tried it. You, you've, you've applied for jobs. You're not getting the results. Uh, normally people come to me because they've tried it themselves first um, and it, they weren't getting the results that they wanted. And then they were interested in working with me. If you've already done a pretty good self-assessment and you know that you're not a resume writing is not your thing and it shouldn't be because that's not what you do for a living. Um, there's nothing wrong and you, and you should seek support and someone who can, can help you with that and streamline that process for you. And career coaches all, 
most of us have access to recruiters and our networks are pretty, um, pretty broad. So that's another reason why you may want to work with a career coach just to, you know, you get to take advantage of your career coaches network. So there's some benefit there, um, there as well. And when choosing one, it's really about aligning with someone who resonates with you. And, and I posted this on LinkedIn just the other day. Like it doesn't have to be me, anyone who you, their content resonates with you, um, find out what they offer within their coaching packages. And if it aligns with what you believe you need to achieve your goal, definitely testimonials, you know, look at those recommendations on LinkedIn because they do matter and, and they're meaningful. Um, but just know that there's nothing wrong with reaching out for support. And sometimes working with a career coach can help accelerate your, your search. I think there's the proverb that says, if you want to go, go far, go alone. If you want to go fast, go together, something like that. <laughs> I probably totally butchered, totally butchered that. Um, <laughs> if you want, <laughs> if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go. Go, together. go together. And so yes. you might be able to do things quickly on your own, but you probably won't do them right. But if you really want to be successful long-term, <laughs> um, get help, collaborate, right. And yeah. whether it's a mentor, um, maybe a friend who really knows the ropes uh, can check in or review your resume and help you with your search. Um, but I'm really a big fan of investing in yourself. I found it later in my career, but I'm always hiring coaches and mentors and joining groups, membership communities and things that I know are going to help me up my game. And if I was looking, so I'm an entrepreneur and I hire coaches to help me build my business. But if I'm looking for another job, I'm going and hiring a career coach, someone who knows exactly how to go get the right job. Because I mean, that's a huge deal when you change jobs or change your career, not just the salary and benefits, but the, the role that you're in and how rewarding it is and, and getting something that aligns where you want to go. Uh, so I, I highly recommend anybody listening, if you're thinking about changing careers, look into hiring a career coach. Um, go connect with Ricklin, uh, who is on LinkedIn. I've also seen you on Clubhouse and other places. And I put your website up on the screen, uh, which is ricklinwoods.com, right? Mm -hmm. You got it. Thank you. All right. Well, Ricklin, this has been great. So informative. Thank you so much for coming on Thanks and joining me today. Me. You're I welcome. <laughs> um, no, I'm really glad you you came on and uh, kind of demystified the the whole resume resume writing process a little bit, as well as how do we think through a uh, career pivot. So thanks again, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Sure, thank you. All right, that was my interview with Ricklin Woods about how to pivot your career and create a really compelling resume. I hope that was helpful for you. I hope that was valuable for me. It was helpful for me uh, for a few reasons. One, I love interviewing experts in the career space. Uh, who validate, frankly, some of the things that I talk about in my book and on this podcast, because quite honestly, like I feel like an outsider in this space. I wasn't a career coach or recruiter or expert. Um, I came at it using all my real world experience and connections and conversations uh, to make recommendations to you in the book and everything I do. And as I talk with more and more career coaches, they like come back over and over again and say, your book is excellent. It aligns with what I, with my philosophy. Uh, Rickland and I have talked and we, uh, everything we talk about seems to align. And in fact, after recording this, I wish I got it on recording. Rickland told me, she said, why is your book not in universities yet? It should be required reading in every university. Uh, and I said, okay, well, how do I make that happen? We definitely have to do that. Uh, so if you have ideas for that, reach out to me, Andy at andystorch.com. Uh, I've got to start doing some networking and figure out how I can get this book into more hands at different universities and also just help more people, students especially, but young professionals really take ownership of their careers. By the way, if you have not read the book, 
Go check it out. It's available on Amazon. You can also get signed copies and bonus free bonus resources by going to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com. Click on the bonus section and there's a lot of free bonus resources there, including the five steps to owning your career and the top five com- most common career mistakes that people make. That's ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. All right. Thanks so much for joining me and I will see you next time.